welcome to Vibrant Life, episode 56. I'm Jessica Parker, a holistic health coach with a master's in health psychology. Today is March 27th, 2023. It's a Monday. And today I had the privilege of bringing Lisa Parker back on for our third chat. Um, she is a nurse practitioner in Ashland, Oregon, and really a metabolic health expert. So today we are talking about the topic of mental health and keto. All right, let's jump All right, right so, in. So um, today is Monday. I have to think about that for a second, March 27th. And Lisa Parker is back with me. Um, we are going to be speaking on mental health and keto today. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, you know, when you talked about this topic, you know, as being important, um, this is something that I see in the clinic a lot. And that is, you know, when, when I'm looking at metabolic health, having metabolic health keeps you from having a lot of other things going on, but then being unhealthy metabolically also then has a bunch of different disease processes associated with it. Um, I don't think a lot of uh, well, definitely none of the regular conventional providers, but even um, in, you know, functional medicine, think a whole lot about mental health as a symptom of not having, uh, you know, metabolic health. So um, when I have a patient that comes in and they start talking about that, the first thing that I do is I evaluate their metabolic health. And a lot of times I'll find that, you know, sometimes having disease processes such as diabetes and high blood pressure and, and of course, you know, weight gain, um, which a lot of people just come in with that as a, as a symptom, you know, that can cause a mental health decline, but it's usually related to the, the metabolic health as well. So um, one of the most recent uh, areas of study that um, I've delved into is neurological. And of course, that can span everything from the uh, neurocognitive disorders like dementia and Alzheimer's all the way to the mental health disorders. Um, and so it was it was very enlightening for me. And um, one of the, the best speakers in that, and this is a nutrition network, um, which I'm actually working on a certification from them as well. Um, and Dr. Georgia Ede, she is a metabolic psychiatrist, and that is a new and opening field of uh, providers who are, you know, getting, getting to the root cause, finding the metabolic uh, dysfunction and helping it along with diet and or supplements, um, sometimes with medication, but sometimes in lieu of medication, because medication, especially in the psych area can have a lot of side effects. As a matter of fact, you can, you can cause metabolic dysfunction with antipsychotics, for instance, um, with, you know, causing diabetes and weight gain. So, um, you know, her, her lecture was very moving uh, for the, the neurologic uh, module. And um, so, yeah, so that's the one that I use. And uh, I guess the way that I look at it is when I have a patient come in and they start telling me about their symptoms, well, where are they on the roller coaster? Yeah. <laughs> so we can, we can bring that up. And that's one of the tools that I use a lot. And let's see if we can, there we go. Here's the green. Okay. And there it is. Okay. And share. Okay. Can we see that? Yes. My cursor <laughs> out of the way. Okay. So this is, this is one that I actually print and give to patients. Um, but, you know, when we think of roller coaster, we think of up and down. And a, a lot of people that come to see me are not, they're somewhere on the diabetes spectrum, but they're not yet where they were diagnosed with prediabetes or diabetes, but they're having a lot of lows and it, it, uh, it manifests itself in anxiety, panic, uh, weakness, sweating, palpitations, hangry. I know everyone knows that word now. Yeah. Um, and that's usually at the low of a blood sugar, maybe not even low enough to, to call it low blood sugar, but enough for the patient to, to feel a mood change in addition to just being hungry. Um, and so when I talk to them, you know, we, we look at this and we look at, we go over their labs, we look at their metabolic health. And then I start talking to them about what to do. 
Um, but you can see where you have the, the sugar and, you know, most of our mental health patients, they're sugar addicts. I mean, they're looking for it sometimes with caffeine thrown in, but mostly the sugar. Um, and they start out in the morning and hit the sugar immediately. And then they're on this roller coaster for the rest of the day, up and down, up and down, up and down, uh, having to eat every two to four hours, uh, because they're coming to that bottom part of it uh, because their fuel is sugar. Um, and so, you know, I, I want them to understand the influence of what they eat on their mood. And what I tell most of them is, you know, what's really good for mood? Fat. <laughs> our, our favorite uh, demonized macronutrient. But fat yeah. is a steady fuel. There are no ups and downs with it because for all practical purposes, it doesn't require insulin for metabolism. So you don't get that up and down. You get a flat. And it's seen on a continuous glucose monitor as very little variation. Um, when people are on a keto diet, for instance, and fat is their fuel and they're already keto adapted, they, they're not on this roller coaster. And that's the first thing that you will get them to tell you once they actually become adapted and they're not going through sugar withdrawal or anything like that, um, that they've, they've never had such a steady mood. Uh, no ups, no downs, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, bipolar on lithium, you know, much more even. Uh, one of the things that uh, Dr. Eads talks about, and this is definitely true for the neurocognitive disorders such as dementia, and that is there's a lack of energy in the brain that's feeding mm -hmm. a lot of these diagnoses, um, such as you know depression and anxiety and and bipolar and uh, even to some extent the others like obsessive compulsive and um, even the eating disorders and things like that. Um, because they've been doing this roller coaster for so long, they're in order to use glucose as fuel by the brain, it, it prefers glucose. I'm not gonna kid you on that one. If there's yeah. glucose around the brain, we'll use it, but that requires insulin. So these patients who already have hyperinsulinemia, they already have high insulin levels or they're anywhere on that diabetes spectrum, they don't, they already have insulin resistance. So they're you know, you, you need insulin in the brain to use that glucose. And a lot of times they can't use the energy. And especially when they become diabetic, because as we know, most of the energy stays in the bloodstream. It's very difficult for them to get it to where it's needed. And that's especially true for the brain. So what she talks about is an energy shortage as a cause for just about every one of these disorders. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, and, and this is one that you can share and it definitely has her name on it. I definitely want to give her credit for it, but um, this is, I think whenever I show a patient this, they immediately recognize where they fit on that roller coaster. So we, Absolutely. Can, we can stop sharing that. Um, um, go ahead. Did you want to keep it up or? Oh no, go ahead. Okay. Awesome. I mean, very helpful. I think a lot of people will like, oh, you know, light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a light bulb moment for a lot of patients. Um, you know, and when you're talking about having an energy deficit and being able to use glucose in the brain, you know, well, so what else will the, the body use? Well, the brain works better off of ketones. So it doesn't prefer it. And if there's any glucose there, it will definitely try to use it. But if you provide ketones, such as a ketogenic diet, then the brain actually works better. It's clearer thought, mood stabilization. Um, and for the patients who have insulin resistance, that's bypassing them not being able to use it. So it's giving them energy that they're able to use. And so that's why you see a lot of these, uh, uh, psychiatric disorders get better yeah. on, a, on a ketogenic diet. And there's quite a bit of research out there. I mean, just about every one of the diagnoses and using ketogenic diet and getting improvements. And that's one of the things that Dr. E talks about as well, um, which is why providers are moving toward this because it's something they can implement that doesn't have side effects. And they know that just every medicine, conventional medicine that's in their arsenal has side effects. 
Um, Absolutely. I know that inflammation, um, obviously, you know, like that, that alone is a big piece of it. I mean, that's kind of like what you're talking about, but, um, but also when you're speaking on ketones and how they're a clean fuel, and that's one thing that people don't really know, you know, so when it's glucose versus ketones, like that's just one better way to get energy for your brain. Yeah. And it's not only a better source of fuel, but by doing the ketones, you eliminate that roller coaster. Yeah. And the downs from that roller coaster are very, very hard on the body. I mean, you know, when we're looking at adrenal fatigue, for instance, which we see a lot um, in the clinic, one of the most common causes of adrenal fatigue is diet and it's a high carbohydrate diet. Um, you do, you get less, there's less byproducts from the metabolism of ketones. Um, the other thing that I think of is, you know, the, the predominant one, uh, beta hydroxybutyrate is not just a source of fuel. It's not just a ketone. They're finding out it actually signals it, it's a hormone it's signaling in the body. And when you're in, so when you're in ketosis and you have oxidative stress, which is what's going to lead to inflammation, you're protected by that beta hydroxybutyrate. It is a major antioxidant. It directs, you know, all of just about every, uh, at that time, if it's high and, and you have it, it'll direct your body to reduce the oxidative stress, which is one of the reasons why if you're on a ketogenic diet, you don't need as much vitamin C and other antioxidants because you have the beta hydroxybutyrate, which is much more effective and, and it's in your bloodstream and it's very difficult. People like to take mega doses of vitamin C. You take them GI wise and you're not getting hardly of any of that into the tissue. Mm-hmm. So um, one of, one of my other favorite books, uh, ketones, the fourth fuel, um, and it goes into the whole history of how they figured out. And I can't remember the, the guy's name, the pioneers. Yeah. But if you get that book, you'll see what I'm talking about. They were studying like for a long period of time. Um, and it all had to do with the metabolic theory of cancer and things like that is how it got started. Um, but you know, he was, you know, was like, why are you using antioxidants? They don't work. You can take all these supplements. They don't work when you can easily get a major antioxidant flowing through your bloodstream and have access to it. So that's why you see a lot, I see a lot of my patients, their inflammation goes down, all of their biomarkers improve. It's not just that they're not eating the sugar anymore. It's that they have this beta hydroxybutyrate on their side. Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, I, we've, we have spoke about just the supplement thing and how, you know, definitely sometimes there's more need, you know, especially upfront when somebody is like really switching their lifestyle and their diet up. But, um, later on, I mean, I'm not even a big fan of like multis. I think a lot of stuff that people take is just, um, well garbage, but then if you're eating correctly and you have your metabolism balanced and, you know, revving the way it should be, then you don't need as much of that stuff. You really don't. And there are differences as to how much of a certain nutrient you need as to whether you're on a carbohydrate or a fat predominant diet. B vitamins, for instance, are completely necessary for metabolism of carbohydrates. So, you know, if you don't get the right amount of them and you're eating this high carbohydrate diet, then, you know, you, you get into trouble because you, then you're not metabolizing correctly. I think one of the other things, and this was um, uh, in Dr. Eat's presentation uh, as well, our brain is 57% fat. I'm reading from her slide, by the way, so that the numbers are correct, because I hate numbers and statistics. I never get them right. Um, It's predominantly fat. And Mm -hmm. I forget what percentage of that, but the very high percentage of that is cholesterol, by the way. Yes. It's not polyunsaturated fat in our brain. Um, 38% protein. So more than a third protein, 5% carbohydrate. Wow. Which would really just account for probably what's just circulating around in there. Um, I mean, that's why would anyone think 
that we need to predominantly eat carbohydrates to fuel our brain when it's made out of fat. Yeah. <laughs> that does, just doesn't even make sense you know, uh, to me at all, not to mention all of the, the things that happen in the brain are all electrical. They all require electrical conduction. So every nerve sheath, every cell membrane in the brain is all fat. And that's what it does. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's not a muscle, you know, it's your brain. And so, um, whereas the muscles will be able to store glycogen brain can't store sugar. That's right. why it has that requirement that it, ha if you're eating it, you have to have a certain amount of it each day. And then, people, you know, and especially dietitians, sorry guys, uh, extrapolated that that meant that you needed to intake that much carbohydrate. It's 120 grams is what they talk about, but your liver can make all the carbohydrate you need. Yeah. As long as you get sufficient protein and fat, which are the only two required macronutrients, by the way, there is no requirement for carbohydrate in the human body, then you're getting everything that you need to make, you know, all the sugar that 120 grams that your brain needs. Yes. Who are not metabolizing this correctly. They're in an energy deficit. And that's where the disorders come in. Absolutely. So is it, is it similar? Like I know when you drink alcohol, your, which I love my, I love a glass of wine. Um, and I feel like we should talk about that at some point. This is a, I like this your is cabin. We don't have place to store anything. So I love it. I love it because I, I, yeah, we should talk about that at some point. That's not something that I like removed from my diet. And, um, but I, I know that once you have alcohol in your system, that's what the body goes to, to like burn that off first. Doesn't matter if you have other you know, macros in your system. Um, so is it that way as well for the brain and glucose, like you were talking about? If Definitely. Well, just your body can only run on one type of fuel. So if you're eating enough carbohydrates to where you're not in ketosis, then you're running off of carbohydrates. Got it. Got it. So, so anyone who is looking to see if they're in ketosis, you know, we talked about that on the last one about looking what is, you know, 0.5 and above and, and things like that, and, you know, what would be dangerous and things like that. But um, so you can only run on that. Once you switch to ketones, you're only running on that. Now the brain has right. to have these basics. So your body will, your liver will kick out enough sugar for your brain to have to use. But the whole body is working off of ketones. It's like a, yeah. a, a flex fuel car. And I don't know the brands and, and the types and everything, you know, where, well, when you run out of the electric, then you have to switch to the gas. And because there is a, such a narrow range of normal for blood sugar, either way, it's toxic to the body. That's why the body will use it preferentially, not because it likes it better or because it runs better, because if it doesn't, then the blood sugar is either going to go too high or too low and you're going to die either way. Right. When you think of, you know, basically 70 to hundred, and actually I say 75 to 90 is what I say is to me is an optimal blood sugar, fasting blood sugar. So if you, if you say 75 to 90, that's 15, whatever the measurement is, milligrams per deciliter, I think. That's very narrow. It is. So, you know, that's dangerous. The body knows it. The bat, just the same way with alcohol. Right. It knows that if it goes up to a certain amount, you're going to die. You're going to go into a coma and die. So right. that's why it, it preferentially detoxifies it is what it's doing. And right. I don't know if we talked about this during any one of these, but the pathways to detoxify in the liver, alcohol and sugar are the same, except for one little step. It's a little bit different, but essentially they're the same. So sugar is a toxin the same way that alcohol is. Say that louder for the people in the back. <laughs> yes, sugar. <laughs> And what I'm talking about is anything the body perceives as sugar. But when we're talking about sugary drinks and, and uh, you know, high fructose corn syrup, all those things have glucose and fructose. 
Glucose, the body can handle fine unless you're diabetic. The fructose is what has to be detoxified in the liver the same way that the alcohol does. So whenever you have any kind of metabolic disorder and you're eating regular sugar or anything with high fructose corn syrup in it, basically your body's having to detoxify before it can do anything. And then people wonder why they have trouble losing weight and, and, and they're becoming mm -hmm. diabetic. I mean, they're consistently poisoning themselves and Absolutely. wonder why they have problems. Yeah. You're essentially like um, shutting down all the normal healthy operations that happen and you're putting in this junk that it's like emergency mode. Like, you know, your body's like little like FEMA has to go in and take care of all this, you know? So if you keep doing this, remember that roller coaster. If you keep doing this all day long, that's like fight or flight all day long. So can you imagine why you're so fatigued? Why you're, you're gaining weight? What, what happens in fight or flight? Cortisol levels go off the charts. Insulin levels are high because insulin has to come in there and hand. So, you know, you're gaining weight and you're, you're somewhere on the spectrum of going to diabetes when you right. do this on a regular basis and for the individual, because some individuals can tolerate six sodas and not have this happen. Some can't even have a quarter of a soda and it's going to happen. And I deal with this with patients all the time. They're like, I don't understand. I'm only eating 30 grams of carbohydrate a day. And I tell them it's too much for you. Right. It's very individual. Absolutely. And so and let me just put this in since we were talking about the liver and detoxifying the number. And I think it is now, but it's right up there. If it's not the number one cause of need for liver transplant is fatty liver disease. So, so what is fatty liver disease? It's non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And there's technical names, steatohepatitis and all that, that give you different versions of it, but let's just call it fatty liver disease because everybody knows that. I think they've heard it. Non-alcoholic. The other version that leads to liver transplant is alcoholic or drug-induced. There's, you know, you, you can use so many hard, hard drugs and that can lead to the same thing. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, we're working on ourselves to liver transplants. And it's, it's, I don't have the statistics, but I mean, I run into people, clients all the time who have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or some kind of variation. They're on their way, you know, and, and it's not, it's the sugar, but I also, you know, it's so much of the just processed carbs and just carbs in general that people think, well, maybe I'm eating quote healthy carbs or, you know, whatever, or I'm eating gluten-free, <laughs> which is a whole nother, a whole nother topic, you know, in terms of like the processed stuff, especially. Yeah, let's, let's not go there today. So we'll, we'll yeah, get off. it's a whole nother thing. <laughs> and it doesn't have to just be sugar. However, yeah. all these processed foods have something in common, they all have these processed sugars in them, the high fructose corn syrup, whether it tastes sweet or not. Look on your yeah. label. That's a really good point. Because it's a hydroscopic, it, it helps to, uh, and helps to prevent uh, or to preserve freshness. I mean, there's just reasons they use it yeah. in addition to the fact that it's very addictive. And of course they right. want people more and more of these processed foods. But yes, it doesn't have to be sugar that leads to the fatty liver disease. And of course, I see this every day because I have patients come in for a variety of reasons and I'm the metabolic specialist and I see the labs and I'm like, oh, another one, eh, another yeah. one. So yeah. you see, you see elevated triglycerides, mm -hmm. triglycerides are stored sugar. That's what they are. Body sees everything except fiber that it can't digest as sugar. So when I say sugar, that's what I mean about the body. Yeah. So triglycerides are elevated. Oh, well, that's because I'm eating too much fat. No, that has nothing to do with fat. That is stored sugar. Well, where does the body store it? Well, it can store it as glycogen, very small amount in the muscles in the liver. And then what does it do with it? Well, hopefully, and so you don't, don't develop, you know, metabolic dysfunction. It would store it in the subcutaneous tissues, like the hips and the thighs on women, which it used to. You don't see a whole lot of women with big hips and thighs anymore. It's in their gut. That's where yeah. you especially your postmenopausal women, it's in the front. 
It's not just in the subcutaneous tissue. It's in the organs. It's in the liver. It's in the, in the pancreas. And so then you get fatty liver disease, stored fat. Good news is you can burn it all off. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wow. Because you're, bur- you're burning that fat. You're using fat for fuel. Now you use up all that fat you stored. And the body Absolutely. will preferentially burn it from the organs and the middle section before it'll ever touch hips and thighs. Sorry yeah. for you ladies out there that do still store it there. You're healthy though, usually. That's not a problem. You may think it is, you know, may not like the way it looks, but if that's the only place you're storing it, then that's not usually not metabolically unhealthy. So, yeah. So a really great example of all of this and the dysfunction that we have with our standard American diet is our kids, right? You know, and I was just thinking of depression and, and all the mental health stuff, not just depression, but um, just, yeah, mental health disorders and the way we feed them. I think maybe I told you before that I worked in our local um, juvenile detention center, and this was pre- my experience with holistic health and my education, it was right before, and I think I was just starting school. And I remember thinking, hmm, all these kids are on many different medications, which I knew enough to know some of it is like, we're giving you this, you're having these reactions. So we're going to give you this one to counteract that. But then you have, you know, so many different medications. It was alarming to me. Um, But then we're feeding them basically like cafeteria food, right? Where I, I'll never forget pizza plus, um, this was one meal, pizza plus tater tots plus canned fruit plus, um, you know, they had some kind of a dessert. I mean, it was just all garbage if we had like seen their blood sugar. And so to me, I knew enough to connect the dots of how do we expect them to feel okay enough, operate okay enough, think clearly to try to make better choices. You know, um, it just, none of it made any sense to me. And that's what we're doing to our kids. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those medications that there are on are making higher blood sugars, higher insulin levels and making them crave that stuff too. That's so, a, wow, that's huge. About was the soda machines and candy machines in those areas too. Cause I'm sure that oh. there was as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, and that's perpetuating the problem. And of course they're not going to get better and they're going to need more medicine. Yeah. Because the, the medicine's feeding and making it worse. And if you think about not having the energy in the brain, because the brain's not, I mean, if, if you have all that insulin flowing, you have insulin resistance and I see mm-hmm. it in young, young people. Of course, you know, where I'm from the deep South, you had 11 year old type two diabetics with hypertension, 11 yeah. years old, a, a disease process that generally takes to develop is being like expedited. But if mm-hmm. you see the way that they eat is like you described. It yeah, is, that's it, normal. Well, I mean, well, you know, the, the standard American diet is 300 to 500 carbs a day. So us keto people are like, what? 300 to 500. Just thinking about that. I'm going to have a keto heart attack here. You know, I'm (laughs) trying to get my carbs down to, you know, to 20 or 30, you know, or something like that. And, you know, but it's easy to add up if you add it up, especially with the coffees and the sodas. I I love to drive by at three o'clock and see the line for Starbucks. Yeah. Sugar and caffeine. Yeah. For. But yeah, a lot of that is for people who don't actually like coffee, right? You know, because it's like oh, the milkshake. Dessert. Yeah, and then you yeah. have a piece of lemon loaf or whatever. I don't, I've never been to a Starbucks, so I don't know, but I see recipes on Pinterest for fake versions of them. So I guess I yeah. figured, you know, what they serve there. Um, but that's all it is. It's a dessert. It is. But, you know, if you put the right fuel in your engine, you should expect 300 miles. You shouldn't expect 50 miles from it. Right. You know, me, the way that I eat. So, you know, generally I, I do have coffee, but I have it with MCT powder is what I do. Um, mm-hmm. in the morning. And generally I'm not hungry till somewhere around maybe one or two o'clock. 
And I, if I eat another meal after that one, that's usually rare because I'm, I'm just usually not, I mean, eight hours, what I eat fuels me for eight hours. And then I yeah. see people literally having to eat every two hours, like a breastfeed yes. baby. And I did breastfeed my baby. So I know what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> because they're in that roller coaster. Yes. They're in that, that valley where they're hangry now and they have absolutely no energy and it's three o'clock. So if everybody eats lunch around 12, does that make sense? They're dragging. They have to get through the rest of the workday, at least until five or some of them six or whatever. So they're like Starbucks, let's get some of that. Or they're, they're, they grab a cookie or, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen some things just in the people that I work with and like, uh, you know, are you eating again? It's like, huh? yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, because, you know, and then they're all like, oh, do you want something? I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. You know, and I do remember being hangry and I've, mm -hmm. I've got to tell you that that was the worst experience in my life because I love my mother and I've never spoken back to her. And one day I just didn't get to eat when I was a carb loader and standard. Well, I tried to eat better, but honestly, I ate quite a bit of carbs and I got home and she came behind me as I got out of my garage because she lived in a mother-in-law suite right off the garage. So she followed me in and she started asking me questions. And I literally turned around to her like the exorcist. I might as well have just said, <laughs> my head around and said, leave me alone until I eat. And as soon as it came out, I was trying to suck it back in because I realized what I had done. Yeah. And I said, something's wrong that I can get like this. If I don't eat, there's something wrong with that. Now, if I don't eat past those eight hours, I'll get hungry. Mm -hmm. But then if I get distracted by something, you know what I mean? There's no immediate yeah. eat. There's no, yeah. oh my God, if I don't eat, I'm going to die. Right. Right. So you're talking about mental health. How can you be mentally healthy? If you're having these episodes, so let me tell you about yeah. kids. Let me get back to kids real quick. So kids yeah. in the, we don't see a whole lot of kids, but we do see teenagers. Mm -hmm. And I actually saw a girl who was not my patient, who was another provider's patient because she wasn't there. And the mother was in the, in the dad, and they were all talking about, you know, how they, she had been diagnosed with uh, bipolar. And um, so I looked at her labs and her cholesterol was low. Like, Total cholesterol was like 120 or 110. Ding, ding, ding. She was, eating meat. she was anemic as well. Protein was low, you know, uh, total protein and all of that was low. And I was like, what are you eating? And it was, it was just junk, basically processed carbs. And I said, how, I mean, and, and hormone levels were totally wrecked because she didn't have enough cholesterol to make hormones. So I said, you know what? We need to get you eating meat and plenty of saturated fat. Yeah. If we can get this cholesterol up. I think that you're going to feel better and your mood's going to stabilize if we can get you off of all of this sugar. And she actually came back in, I guess it was a month and the parents came back and they were astounded that this girl's mood had improved so much. She got off the roller coaster. Yeah. She tired all the time because she was anemic. You know, so, I mean, we just, we fixed everything by eating meat, saturated fat, cholesterol, yeah. yay, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> yes, and all the good things that come in meats package, like yeah. zinc and iron and B12 and all of these things that we need. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so kids, definitely young teenage boys, all the, the girls, I, we got two of them, you know, the, the girls with the um, emotional roller coaster. You throw hormones in that emotional roller coaster that they've been living on. And then that, that just totally, that, that makes the roller coaster do twists, whatever those things are that the G force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then you, you throw into it, which I just, I believe it's all the same ball of wax is eating disorders. And I believe that, that like, um, that nutrition deficiency and that, you know, starving your brain of what it needs is part of the driver behind that. I was there as a teenager, you know, and doing all the low fat stuff, you know, and, and exercising myself to death and thinking that I was doing the right things. 
but then, um, yeah, caused an eating disorder. So, which is just all same thing. Absolutely. And I'm trying to, I think it's Michelle Hearn is her name. Um, she's, um, run eat meat repeat or something like that. I don't remember her Instagram, but she's a registered dietitian. And the first lecture I saw by her, I was just so moved, uh, because she was dealing with a lot of the patients with eating disorders. And I think she had an eating disorder herself and she was, her whole stance was how can we heal them when our criteria is to tell them that they have to eat all this junk to show us that they're healed. Why aren't we giving them nutrient dense food? Their guts are totally wrecked from the way that they've been doing things. And, you know, we, we need to work it from a different angle. Of course, you know, she's not the conventional and the dietetics association doesn't appreciate that kind of dietitian. So, you know, but but excellent, excellent is another resource. if, If you have any clients that are having eating disorder issues, um, because yeah, I mean, her plan is nutrient dense food. I think she's carnivore, uh, pretty much. Um, and that healed her. There's a lot of people that that has healed. Yeah. What your brain needs, your brain's yeah. able to use it and it's a mood stabilizer. Why, Absolutely. why lemictal, you know, if you can eat meat. Right. By the way, then that gets into the vegans and all the rest of that stuff, you know, because quite a bit of that. I, I had a comment on Instagram uh, the other day that, you know, I see the labs from these people and you know, I'm in Ashland, Oregon. So there's a lot of vegans here. Yeah. And, you know, when I see it and I show them, there've been quite a few that have started eating meat again because they realize that, you know, they, the symptoms they're having diabetic, lots yeah. of vegan and vegetarian diabetics because predominant what they eat, you know, plant kingdom is all carbohydrate. So, yeah. Um, I saw, um, again, Jason, something, and I can't remember, we, we talked about him before, but you know, he shares his, um, glucose response, you know, with his, uh, continuous glucose monitor. And again, he is metabolically healthy. So he, you know, not to be compared to like whoever, but, um, it's some of it's fascinating. Um, he did an apple and it spiked his blood sugar too much. He did an apple with nut butter it was worse Mm -hmm. and same thing with bread, but it was like Dave's killer bread, you know, all the like seeds and stuff like that, that people gravitate toward for like, you know, healthy bread, um, spiked just like the apple and then put butter on it and worse, which I was shocked by, but, um, it slows digestion. So you, you know, the, the fat slows digestion. Um, it really does depend on the person. So I would say definitely, you know, and even metabolically healthy people will have different spikes. One of the things that Dr. E talks about is she doesn't believe anyone should eat anything that raises their blood sugar more than 140 period. Yeah. And so even your metabolically healthy people, when they eat this stuff, it'll go up 180, 200. It'll just come back down because they release the insulin and insulin takes care of it. But when you're talking about your metabolically unhealthy people, it's because they have an exaggerated response. There's something genetic about that for sure, probably. Um, Insulin. And if they do it repeatedly, then the insulin stays high. I I could show you what, as I show patients, what happens to them if they start with a high insulin level in the morning, then they add sugar to it, then it spikes, but it stays up a long time. It starts trying to come down, then you hit it again, then it goes even higher, then it goes even higher. And that's how they wind up with a fasting insulin level of 40 when I see them. And one day like training it without knowing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people definitely worse than others. Athletes yeah. can tolerate a whole lot more. However, I will tell you that Tim Noakes, who is the, you know, the head of the nutrition network, he was, he wrote the lore of running. He had to come back and rewrite it, which talked about carb loading. And yeah. now seeing in these carb loading athletes is diabetes and they're crazy, but they're carb loading, carb loading triglycerides into the liver. And then there's their fatty liver disease. And then here comes diabetes. Right. And do you think some of that also another piece to the puzzle is the high stress that exercise can be like that, that much exercise. 
yeah. probably. And um, uh, who was it that was speaking uh, recently? I, I saw a lecture on, he's with Berta Health, Steve, Steve Finney, um, really, really brilliant guy. And um, he was talking about uh, how, because they, what part of what they do is train these like Olympian athletes on keto. And yeah, these people, since they are training on keto, they recover a lot quicker. The beta hydroxybutyrate, we talked about that and, and scavenging free radicals and, and helping with oxidative stress to repair all this. They're able to train longer periods. They're able to then when they do a race, they're able to recover better. Even if they're eating some carbs during the race, they'll, they'll finish a race at 0.5. Even if the day of the race, they eat some because they need more, they need some quick energy too, not just the long acting energy, yeah. but the training ketogenic. So a lot of athletes are moving toward that um, and, and they don't hit a wall. Yeah, I can see that. Because they can access all their fat stores during the whole, I mean, we're talking long distance running, but if they're mm -hmm. training ketogenically, then they're they're not doing as much damage because they have that beta hydroxybutyrate. That's his, right. uh, at least that's what they're seeing. So, um, so I think that's, you know, another thing, but, you know, kind of digress off of this, uh, mental health issue, but, um, you know, getting back to the, to the vegan thing, just, I don't try to pressure anybody to do anything. I understand there are reasons why people want to do what they do. And I try, I work with it you know, yeah. but I do get them off the carbs. It's it. I, I had one patient who was able to do a ketogenic vegan diet, which is extremely restrictive, but she Can't was able to do that and resolve. And I don't know if she completely resolved. I haven't seen her in a while, but she definitely backed off of the diabetes like a lot. And That's she was good. still on a vegan diet. What did she eat? Like avocados and coconut oil? I mean, yeah, lots and lots of, you know, uh, coconut oil and uh, avocados and nuts and seeds and, you know, wow. um, vegan sources because getting the protein is the hardest thing for them. Um, but she was able to do it and felt, she said she didn't realize how, first of all, how many carbs she was eating. And second, yeah. that how good she could actually feel. She didn't really know how bad she was feeling. A lot of inflammation, yeah. lots of things like that. So it, you know, nothing against anybody in their way of wanting to eat. Just to say that, you know, meat is a very nutrient dense. You only need a little bit of it to get just about everything you need. You know, absolutely. A little bit of organ meats and, and some bone uh, broth stock. And pretty much you can get everything that you need that way. There are a lot of good uh, carnivore so uh, sources. I'm, I'm not there. Sometimes I eat that way. Um, I like broccoli too much. <laughs> so <laughs> loaded with butter, of course, but, um, yeah. you know, but yeah. So, so I, I have to say on a, on a personal note that I, I feel like I'm a, a walking example of some of this stuff because of the family that I come from. There's a lot of depression and anxiety in my family. And that's really what drove me toward health and fitness to begin with. I'm um, just kind of putting those, connecting those dots. And um, so using health and fitness, but, you know, I did it wrong for so long, wrong. I mean, you know, you do what you know. And, um, but then moving forward, you know, I'm the only one who really eats much meat. My sister's ve raw vegan. Um lots of like mental health issues in my whole family. I'm the only person who's not on medication. And I mean, to me, the writing's on the wall, right? You know, I'm like the only person who's not on medications for other things also, just no medication. So, you know. So if that meat and saturated fat and cholesterol were so bad for you. I'd be dead. Yeah. I would be dead. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I and then get into anti-nutrients that are in vegetables, the fact that some things are so indigestible if you don't cook them. I mean, there's just, you know, so, so many things yeah. that we could talk about yeah. on that subject alone, but yeah, I, I agree. And I've seen the transformations, you know, your, your men with low testosterone 
I mean, and then yeah. they put on a statin. Yeah, for the cholesterol, yeah. like that just makes the whole problem worse. You think you can't yeah. think get on a statin, prevent your body from having that which it needs, and that's what you're Isn't talking. That like the most prescribed medication, or one of the most prescribed. I heard somebody, one provider, say, "You know what? We need to put metformin and atorvastatin in the water supply." <gasps> wow. That's think about how much metabolic disease we have, especially in this country, then that that's his way of saying, you know, he's trying to make things better. Although that doesn't, all the research studies show it doesn't make it better. So, right. uh, you know, but if all we had to do was be sensible, regenerative farming so that we're yes. actually making the planet a better place and realize, and, and I've had patients say, you know, I, I can't eat keto because I can't afford it. I'm like, really? I mean, my food bill is pretty minimal for what I eat and I'm perfectly satisfied and I'm healthy and, you know, and all of these things. And look at your cart full of stuff. It, yeah. And if you go out to eat, like you got to eat every two to four hours. Yeah. I, I eat once a day, most of the time. Junk so, food is expensive. I would argue. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, can't afford it, you know, really? Yeah. Going from the standpoint of they have to eat a lot to satisfy themselves because they're not getting the nutrients they need and their body's going to tell them to keep eating until it gets what it needs. Right. So they, if they compare like one of their meals to like one, you know, like a steak or something or whatever, you know, they might get a, a, a very skewed perspective versus, well, um, I didn't really eat much more than that steak today or, you know, versus their every two hours type of thing. So one, one um, other thing that I wanted to say was just like back to like the medication thing. I mean, I did at one point when my son was little and I was a single mom and I was working and going to school. Um, somehow, yeah, somehow ended up a little stressed out. I don't know, but um, was having chest pains and in, in the ER. And anyway, they ended up um, putting me on. I was put on like an antidepressant for like a minute, you know. And I, I didn't want to, but then you know, whatever. Anyway, so I was on it briefly, but I did not care about anything. I didn't care about exercising. I didn't. You know, and I just, it was quite, I mean, I'm glad that I had that experience because then I get it a little more, you know, and people just flatline with their emotions and with just giving a bleep about anything. And um, I I realized uh, it's probably not good that one of the things I use to manage my mental health, I don't care about, you know, I just did not care about exercising and that's not me. And then, um, and then I started, so at first I, lost a few pounds and then I started gaining also. And I'm like, well, it's probably not good for your mental health either. Yeah. And this is what we're doing to people. Yeah. So we are, and you know, eventually these people end up diabetic. I mean, you know, yeah, they just do and then they can... really have a reason to feel depressed because then they have chronic illness. Um, yeah. but you know, increasing the amount of ser- basically the, the most common is the SSRIs. So what you're doing is putting more serotonin at the synapse and, and keeping it there for a longer period of time. Serotonin is your, I don't give a who. Yeah. <laughs> so if you put more of it there, yeah. Yeah. You understand why. Yeah. But if you keep it there, it also makes you want to eat more. Yes. Yeah. So kills your sex drive and in men can cause erectile dysfunction. So, yeah. So there is weight gain. So then do you feel like it's also, I mean, I know I would never tell a client to do this, but I weaned myself off. I was, I was on a very small dose, but had I kept going, this is what I see happening to people. Then it's almost like you're like what you're saying, you know, people then want to eat more and maybe even get more depressed some of it being because of that. And then just like this whole ball keeps rolling and then they get, you know, more medication or higher doses or, you know, just this vicious cycle. 
Yeah. Because your body gets used to it. Yeah. So you haven't, all you're doing is treating the symptom. Depression right. is a symptom. Right. Anxiety is a symptom. It's not the problem. The problem, and according to Dr. Ede, and, and based on what I'm seeing, is an energy problem. Mm-hmm. It's that emotional roller coaster. Because yeah. that up and down, that's the blood sugar and insulin levels, too. You know? So, and that's anytime high insulin and you need insulin in the brain and in the insulin receptors in the brain, and there's a, a lot of biochemistry behind it, but are a lot more sensitive to insulin resistance than the rest of the body. So brain does. Yeah. And if you're, all you're taking in is glucose and that's all your body has to use or your brain has to use, and it doesn't have the ability to use it effectively, then all these firings that go on and, and even the production of neurotransmitters and all of that is not going to be done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're talking, I'm, I'm, you know, imagining a person who just like, you know, trying to work, trying to think, trying to process, and they're like high on coffee, you know, and all the carbs and just like this, like buzz, you know, just, um, not really being able to think clearly and calmly and just feeling that frazzled feeling and and not being able to the the thinking clearly yeah you know is is a big one yeah. and if you're not thinking quick clearly you're going to make a lot of wrong decisions mm-hmm. and then that's just going to feed whether it's anxiety or depression or you're yeah. not you're going to not be able to make a decision mm-hmm so then you just don't do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Apathy is what you were describing where you didn't care about apathy. Any- yes. Yeah, apathy. Yeah. So, so get some clean fuel into a brain and get it functioning. And then they start to, to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And they, so don't, when you have, they don't have the lows, okay. they don't have the highs. It's like bipolar. That's why bipolar people like to get off their medicine because they like the highs, yeah. they like lows. And so they miss the highs and sugar will bring you high. It'll crash you too, but yeah, you know, so, and of course the eating disorder people, because we're not just talking about anorexia nervosa and, and deprivation and exercising to excess right now, binge eating disorder is probably the biggest one. And what are they binging on? It's not steak. Promise you it's not. <laughs> yeah, okay? I can attest to that. I want everybody to think about that when they start thinking that red meat is bad, right? Absolutely. Binging on processed carb food. That's what mm-hmm. the binge is on, right? So there's studies that show you put them on a ketogenic diet and you get them into nutritional ketosis and they the cravings are gone. Yeah. And, and they are better able to think and better able to make appropriate choices. Now there's, you know, the other side of that is that, it, you know, a lot of people think it can be a trigger because of the deprivation. And then, so then if they do go for it, it's going to be all binging, you know, you can, there's two ways of looking at that. To me, it's like, they're killing themselves with the binging. So mm-hmm. if there's something out there that can get their body and brain healthy and their metabolic health back and it definitely reduces if not eliminates the binging yeah potentially it might be a trigger but you're gonna let them go the way that they're going right right well and having been that girl I mean that's what I struggled with and then would like fast and exercise my other form of fasting like um to make up for it you know and and I I mean I think what you're saying is is spot on because you're trying to feed this like need that you have because you're not giving your body and your brain what it really requires. And so people like that stuckness that you get with an eating disorder can be like, Oh, I have zero willpower when it's really your hunger hormones are totally screwed up, you know, and, and everything that correlates with it, you know? And so you're, you're trying to meet this need that you cannot because you're not feeling your body the right way and your brain. So you get that patient into the clinic and you measure their insulin levels and nine times out of 10, they're high. 
insulin is directing those cravings. Yeah. And, and it's not steak cravings that insulin tells you because insulin doesn't right. process steak. Well, I mean, it processes some of the protein, but you know, for the most part, the steak requires a low insulin, but insulin saying, Hey, give us some more sugar. I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to fire up. Let's get this roller coaster going. Right. Okay. Right. Right. It's like wanting that energy and that's what it and knows they, to go to. And they go get it. They get a set rise in serotonin. It's very yeah. reinforcing. Like if I eat this, my mood is better. Of course, yeah, your brain, what goes up must come down. And when mm -hmm. it comes down, it goes below where they started. Yeah. Let's feed that again. So no wonder, you know, you, you have these eating disorders and you have the, the mental issues. Mm -hmm. No doubt so about it. When you have somebody come in with like some severe mental health stuff and or eating disorders, like, which, I mean, I guess it's kind of a silly question, but I mean, it probably really depends on the individual, but how long you can like take them, you know, okay, we're going to do this diet with you. And then I'm sure it's just this, okay, we're, we're going to um, heal back a little bit at a time with your medication, that kind of thing. I mean, it probably... How long it takes to vary, I'm sure, a lot. Exactly. So I don't have a whole lot of those patients. I do have one that I've thought of who was um, due to severe anxiety on multiple medications, and she wanted to get off of them. And um, so we did work on diet, and, and actually she vegetarian. I don't think vegan, but definitely vegetarian. Um, and... Uh, so we did successfully. I'm, I'm not a psych provider, so I don't, but she, she couldn't find anybody. There's a, a mental health crisis right now, and there is a big shortage of mental health providers. And so she had no one else. And so it was either me to help her or she was going to do it on her own because she wanted to get off of these medications. And um, so we backed them off safely while working on diet. And she's, she's now off of all these medications. Actually, I think she's in a master's program right now. Um, but wow. yeah, so, but I, I don't have a whole lot of mental health patients per se. Mm -hmm. if that is a specialty area. And quite frankly, if I can boot them to somebody else, I will. Because <laughs> yeah, I it's don't have the intimate knowledge of the medications and all of that. However, you know, if they're, you know, on Zoloft or, or something like that, and they come and we go over the, the whole metabolic and you know, and then we're working on that and they say they start feeling a whole lot better. And they're like thinking a lot of them will say, you know, do you think I could get off of this? Well, I, I feel competent in, in helping them wean off of the medication, depending on which one they're, they're on. So right. um, I don't, the ones that need to continue it, or those are usually not the ones that I stick with. Yeah. Because which disclaimer, do not just like take yourself off, especially just like, bam, stop taking it. I've seen no, that with not. And some people. of those medications, especially if they're on a combination one with an SNRI, uh, nor uh, a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, you do not want to stop that cold Turkey. They will get very sick. Yeah. Cause when you end start up in the hospital, the, well, when you're on these things, right they take over. So your body naturally produces less. So yeah, if you produce less yourself, you're going to get sick if you just stop that medication. So you got to figure out depending on which one it is, what the half-life is and, and how slowly you need to go. But on those, it's definitely, you need to back it off. Some of these like uh, Prozac has such a long uh, uh, half-life in the body that you can just stop Prozac. I'm not telling anybody to stop their Prozac. But it's one of those ones that doesn't necessarily have to be weaned. Although if they're on a high dose, we will just gradually back it off. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't like just flip a switch. It just gradually, uh, the body metabolizes it. So it really just depends on what they're on. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, do you have any last comments? Mm -hmm. uh, I think we've covered everything. I just, you know, that hormone sugar, insulin, psych roller coaster. You know, yeah. I would just encourage people to try to get off of it because yeah. that's what's going on in our society right now. I mean, we have so much more 
mental health problems. And, and yes, some of it is we're diagnosing these things way back when nobody wanted to have a diag- a psych diagnosis. Now everybody wants one. Go yeah. figure that. Um, and it's not, you know, we talked about mental health because that's the subject, but, you know, we're also talking about cognitive neurocognitive disorders. We're talking about ADHD and autism. And I mean, you know, we'd have to have a whole nother discussion on that to talk about them, but they're in the same grouping. Uh, yeah. of, you know, it's an energy problem. It is. Yeah. So, um, so go eat a fatty steak. Go, go eat. A fatty steak, yeah. Nice Maybe with some butter on it, even. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love butter on top of mine. And get some even clean burning fuel. You know, get your brain some fuel it can use, no matter where you are on the metabolic spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and start feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you absolutely. may, have, yeah, you may even have an iron deficiency. That's another thing. You know. Uh, uh, that's very common, especially in women, premenopausal women, really especially. It's a combination of that, and that'll cure both. So, two for one. Yes. So, um, where can people find you? Uh, I am at right now One Peak Medical in Ashland. I am the metabolic provider there. I handle a lot of diabetes patients, and that's when I get new patients right now, they have to be metabolic patients. Although I will say that no matter who I get in there, generally they are. (laughs) So (laughs) I've even seen other, you know, I see other providers patients as well. I mean, there's so many metabolic patients out there, but yeah, that's, that's where I am right now. If somebody were to want to work with you, could they go through one peak and, and uh, request to work with you? Uh, Yeah. They just need to say that they are a metabolic patient because that's the only ones that they're allowing to be accepted. And it can be virtual? As long as they're in Oregon. In Oregon, okay. So I, you know, anybody that has pretty bad diabetes generally gets referred to me. Okay. And then um, social media for you? (laughs) Metabolic Journeys with an IES. Um, Still trying to get that website up, but yeah. Working working on that, but do have the Instagram. Okay. Instagram. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope that you found some of that information intriguing and useful and inspiring for your journey. So you can find me at thatvibrantlife.com, Facebook, that vibrant life, Instagram, that underscore vibrant life. Um, Lisa shared that you can, um, find her on Instagram at metabolic journeys with an IES. Um, She has a fascinating lifestyle. I love what she shares. I would definitely check her out, um, kind of living off a grid. So um, I also want to share that if you are interested in pasture-raised meat without added hormones or antibiotics, then check out my other business, OregonValleyFarm.com, and use um, code ThatVibrantLife to get 10% off your first order. All right. Have a great day.